0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Living, Loving and Learning in a Sensational World. I'm your host LaTanya and today you've got your co-host back, Ellen, we're back together. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Um, So today we're carrying on with the whole segment about um, our experiences. So I personally found it very enlightening having the conversation with Jo. On the podcast, because bizarrely, even though we live together, we're happily married. It's not a conversation that we'd actually had about how he had felt, or even how I had felt um, during the whole process. I don't know whether it was the same for for you and Arthur, Ellen.
1: Well, yeah, kind of. Um, There are some bits that he said that he had the cheek to say that I'm extra (laughs) dramatic. When, I do, when I've got the bee in my bonnet about something, but to be fair it's true, like if I think that something, if I see something or I want to know something I kind of go overboard researching but yeah, he's kind of right but it was nice to hear from his point of view as a dad, what it was like, because I think so many times people are more caught up with what it's like for a mother you know, than what it's like for a dad and they really do play a part. So it's important sometimes to be able to hear their point of view. And as you said, although we live with them or, you know, we're in relationships as people, sometimes we don't have that discussion so openly and honestly to really know how the other
0: person feels. Yeah. And what we found is it actually has opened dialogue since. So we've actually kind of tried to kind of talk more, not just about practicalities, like what are we doing with our children? It, it's it been more about like, how are we feeling? So it's kind of opened our eyes. And I don't know if it's the same for you, Ellen, but I've had a lot of feedback where people have said they've listened and actually it's done the same for them. It's opened to dialogue with them and their partners.
1: Yes, I've, you know, a few people have spoken about it and said, you know, how good it was to be able to hear a dad's point of view. and women especially have said that it's given them food for thought as to how to open up the conversation with their other half, and it's a good thing because again, sometimes you just really don't know what another person thinks and feels and sometimes you don't know how to open that dialogue so if that segment Mm -hmm. has been able to help people to do that then you know, it's really good it's really good and it's what we need
0: Yeah, it's definitely a positive step but I think, for me, it also kind of made me look at... So, I think the way I kind of addressed, like, all of the things with Jackson in particular was just kind of very practical. And I very rarely stopped to think about my feelings as well. So I never asked Joe about his because I wasn't really taking, like, scope of what I was thinking and feeling. Yeah. So, that kind of has opened a new door for me as well um, but yeah I mean do you feel, have you always been kind of in tune to how you're feeling though Ellen? <clears throat> kind of in tune
1: to how I'm feeling what regarding Angelic, this whole process yeah um, sometimes and sometimes not I think one of the struggles for me was it's not knowing what to do. Um, mm. you know, I knew that obviously there was an issue and I think a lot of parents can say that they agree with this, that even though you have a child with special needs, as a parent, depending on what your bond is with your child, sometimes it doesn't seem like a big issue in certain areas because you mm. and your child have a bond. So although she was nonverbal, I still knew what she wanted, when she wanted it and things like that yeah. but there was times where I kind of was just all, all over the place sometimes because you know what do I do am I doing enough for her um, am I mentally taking care of myself while I'm driving myself crazy trying to look at all these different things you know I was praying I was just trying to focus and
0: it was difficult it was difficult sometimes um So you're saying like you did actually, you did actually take stock of am I doing enough for my mental health? You were conscious of that?
1: Yes but not always and I think the reason being is because obviously having a younger child as well things were so overwhelming sometimes so there's times Mm -hmm. that I just kind of felt like you know what I mean? You just want to shut the world out for a minute. Just, like, give me five minutes to kind of, like, let myself catch up with everything and let my brain just calm down. Mm. Um, but I I wouldn't say I centred on my mental health as much as I maybe should have. Um, I think that's... Yeah, I definitely
0: thing. think mine took a back burner.
1: Yeah, I think it's a big thing because we're on a journey of discovery with our children. Um... And at the end of the day, we are the adult, we are the carer, we are the parent, and they're relying on us to do whatever we can to help them to thrive, basically. So when you're faced with something that you have no knowledge about, you're kind of like, you're like a headless chicken really just trying to find and understand and then apply certain things to your child and if that doesn't work go back to the drawing board and find something else that maybe you can apply so it was just that constant constant badgering of yourself trying to find things and understand things and then also trying to see things that can help you understand maybe what your child is going through so yeah your mental health really I think it's something that people need to take into account that when you have children anyway sometimes your mental health can be whoo but when you have a special needs child and you're overly dedicated to wanting to do the best you can you've got to take stock of your mental health you've got to have that time for yourself where you slow everything down and take that time for you just you just shut down for a little while and take that time for yourself
0: do you know what it's really bizarre because I don't think I really did that so my (laughs) focus was yeah and I think I remember telling you uh, when we started Am I Alone I didn't have a breakdown that seems really extreme but I became quite anxious very insecure and when speaking to like friends and family they were like do you think it's all kind of hitting home now but that was what that was last year so I'm like three, four years deep in this kind of journey with Jackson. And and that's when I took stock of my mental health. But it was um, understandable. Which is pretty late. No, mm. really. In your case, I would say it was understandable because
1: when we decided to set up Am I Alone and we looked at different things and were researching about different things, it gave you time for your mind to settle down And reflect back on everything you went through. Whereas before you maybe never really took the time to reflect. So taking that time then it wasn't. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I never really sat down and looked at this. So of course that was your catch up time. And I think that's an important thing that you said there because parents and carers all have a different time. Some people it's at the beginning where they have that kind of, like, crash and burn all of a sudden where everything is, like, overwhelming. Some people, it's maybe, mm. year down the line. It's, it's so dependent on the person and the child and the situation. So, you know,
0: that, yes, right that's that's
1: having our podcast the way that we are to show that there is so many different layers. Not everybody has the same experience. Mm. Not everybody has the same downtime. Not everybody has that same time of of maybe guilt and frustration everybody has a different like a different ladder that they're climbing up our journeys are the same in the sense of yes we are trying to do the best we can for our children going forwards for them Mm. but how we're climbing that ladder to get there is completely different everybody's steps is different
0: yeah it really is and i mean like in regards to like me and joe like i found out when we were doing the podcast because obviously i had the questions to ask him and i said to him prior to recording do you want to see the questions or you want to just like have the conversation and he was like just have the conversation because i think he would have worried about his answers yeah, if he had known the them. questions prior yeah he's a, he's a bit of an overthinker but so i was finding out brand new information and then i kind of i'm one of these people i like to keep it moving so you bring up a problem but that's fine I can try and figure out a way to help but I keep it moving like I don't sit on it and think on it and dwell on it does that make sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes (laughs) but it's true like so like at the time I'll have my my thoughts and my feelings but Mm -hmm. it happens very quickly yes so I can become like highly emotional uh, quite anxious really insecure but within like a day it's done I've moved on and whatever my solution resolution is that's what we're doing we're keeping it moving like can't, I can't stay in it and what? I don't think I've made a mistake I'm I'm not saying that but I feel like I maybe should have sat in it a bit more before in my my, my feelings because what hit me all at once when we started Am I Alone was the grief in regards to Jackson which is really bizarre because he's doing really well so it it came at a really random time does that make sense?
1: Again like I said you think it came at a random time but it came at the time for you where you was able to process yeah. it wasn't about yeah. him and what he was doing at that time yeah. it was about you as the individual as the parent whether jackson was doing better Mm. or not was neither here nor there that was your time of processing you know
0: yeah i just to me like logically looking at it it doesn't make sense but in the way that you're saying it it does make sense but yeah like so it hit me i was very very tearful for a while and i'm not a highly emotive person only when it comes to like people I really care about or love and stuff like that. <laughs> so Otherwise, I'm laughing
1: because people that I see you in that emotional way. So, listening to you say that, I am like, hmm, I see you emotional, girl. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, wrong with it, you do. I know what
0: you mean like, yeah, you do. You have, but you lots of layers. people, yeah, you have layers. Lots of people say I can be quite cold, um, like because I can be quite cold. Because when I am done, I am done. I can cut it off, and I don't feel no way like I'm quite good at that yeah. but when I do feel I feel hard and heavy like so it's it's extremes it's yeah. it's two very very extremes they're both like the um, ends of the spectrum so, of how you feel yeah there's no middle ground for me it's like all the feelings or oh, no feelings sit whereas I know other people can like feel in the moment like now nah, I haven't got time for that like I'm busy at the moment I've got to keep it moving so when it does hit it to me it seems really bizarre Oh I haven't done that. I don't
1: know. I think it was yeah. important for me to hear Arthur's take on certain things. Um even like with the school. I know when we did the visit, I know how impressed he was with the deputy head. I was, you know, the deputy head yeah. sold the school for me. I think if maybe I hadn't mm. had the tour with him and been able to ask him questions, maybe I would have looked at different, different although the whole setup of the school for me felt like the right environment for her Mm -hmm. and I think it's a it's a big thing because a lot of parents will go and visit schools and you'll think to yourself okay I like the way the school is set up and everything else but it's not the setup of the school it's who's working in the school That's going to make the difference for your child.
0: Yes, the people—not
1: whether or not they've got soft play or, you know, they've got um, a sensory room—it's whether or not the people there are committed to helping your child to move forward and are willing to have good dialogue with you as a parent or carer to ensure your child has that continuity as well. So, listening to how he Mm. felt about his relationship with Angelica and seeing the differences for her—of course, I know he loves her. That is his. He's one daughter, you know, and when she's ready, she could be mm. such a daddy's girl. But it was just nice to, it was nice to be able to have the men's point of view. You know, I think we're fortunate that Arthur and Joe are very supportive of what we do, are very mm. open to playing a part if we need them to in regards to giving the men's view, because... It's very important. And I think it's, you know, I was talking to a mum at the school today and she mentioned about watching the podcast with you and Joe. And she said, When's Joe coming? And I said, Yeah, soon. And I was like, It's, she said to me, it's so good to hear a a man's point of view. And um, she said, You know, a lot of the time it's the mum. And I said, Yes. I said, Sometimes I find that there's so many things geared towards the mum. I said you have to remember dads don't really go to support groups like that but sometimes it's good for these things to be in place that a dad can sit down with his missus and watch or you know somebody who knows a dad that's got a send child can turn around and say to him listen there was a podcast where some dads were talking about what it's like for them you should give it a listen yeah They don't feel like they're alone they've got an, they've got an outlet there's somewhere for them to be able to get an eye-opening you know review of how another dad is feeling um yeah even people who are not in relationships have said to me how important it was hearing a man's point of view and it was really Mm. good so the response has been good and i'm glad that as i said we have two husbands who are very involved and happy to be involved in what we're doing
0: yeah i mean i think it was really good to hear like The partnership, like how the partnership works, because obviously, not every relationship is man and woman, but you'll find that one often will take the more primary caregiver role, yeah, and that is the person that will probably end up doing like the research, like what me and you did, like getting really hyper-focused mm-hmm. on kind of well, what it, it is, like extra. what we can be doing, <laughs> what courses we can do, like all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other one who tends to be a bit more practical. Like that's that's how it works in our like home. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's tricky. Cause I mean, also for me, So I have a slightly different story to you, Ellen. So our focus for a really long time was Jackson. But um, we have an older son who we also believe is neurodiverse. And then I've got the guilt around that because I feel like I dropped the ball. Because because he doesn't have behaviours, because he functions quite well. He kind of got missed at school and at home as well because Jackson's needs were more extensive than anybody else's in my home so that was our main focus so when I'm seeing like it's got to a point now where he like, he really struggles with certain things and I'm like I could have picked up on that like before but my focus was elsewhere so it was missed so he's not as far along as he could be, he hasn't got the support in place that he could have whereas Jackson's got like everything he could need so there's that kind of guilt in that area as well um for me it's uh, but like i said go on
1: no that's understandable um I mm. thought knowing the child that you're talking about as well he's a lovely boy and yeah. he's different in his own way which is probably why it didn't stick out as much as it maybe could've. You know? I met yeah. him and there's like a little quirkiness about him, like even his speech, you know. But you wouldn't necessarily just be like, Hmm. So I don't think I don't I wouldn't say that he was a child that was masking, but it maybe just wasn't as apparent as it would have been, because he has these little these little ways about him, you know. But Yeah. I understand you saying you feel guilty, and
0: hmm.
1: any parent's going to feel that way. But at the same time, you know what? You know now. And that's what matters. You know. Yeah. And now, because I'm trying to give myself way. grace. Yeah. You're aware now. And because you've been going through certain things, you know exactly how to be able to navigate for him. Even though he's older, you know the way to navigate to get things done for him easier in
0: some respect. So. Do you know what though Ellen, the really bizarre thing is you would really believe that but because of his age it's actually a lot more difficult to navigate because so for example uh, with our children you go to the GP or well you went private didn't you so I went to the GP and it was an immediate referral to community paediatrician, community paediatrician then referred us to the joint clinic, we referred to like OT referred to um physio it's done because of his age he's in a weird cusp where he doesn't fall under so basically his referral has been sent back three times from three different departments because of his age so no one really knows where he falls that in itself is an issue that there's not an easy path So I don't think the pathway when they're younger is easy because there's nowhere that kind of outlines this is what you need to do. But you would have thought, oh, she's got experience, she'll know what to do. It's not as easy as I thought it was going to be because...
1: When I say it's easier, I mean in the sense of, of course, even when your child is younger, we still have the difficulties of trying to get Mm. things done for them anyway. But I mean easier in the sense of you know what route you can take to help him in the meantime while you're trying to sort out maybe, yeah. you know, the route with doctors or whoever needs to be involved. There's yeah, the formal process, more. yeah. You know where you can go to get certain things that you can put in place for him at home or if it's school, how you can handle speaking to the teachers to explain to them, look, this is my concern, this is what I think would help. Yeah. And, and also speaking to him because he's a big boy. You yeah, know, and he will and yeah, yeah. be able to tell you himself maybe what his concerns are for himself. So you have that aspect as mm-hmm. well, which is also very helpful because he can tell you. You know,
0: yeah, he's able to converse and stuff. That's not his issue. His issue with is more with like uh, executive function, mm-hmm. um, but it's still been like it's a tricky road because we're still at the point where his referrals just bouncing around and so now i'm looking at private but really and truly we're not in a position to be paying kind of like 3000 pounds which is what it one of the quotes came back as oh wow um for yeah so because we we're pretty sure he's neurodiverse but we're not sure what so when he was younger bizarrely he had a referral to cams uh for potential of ADHD And they came back and they said because of all of the things that were implemented at school and because of how he's coping with his struggles, they wouldn't give him a diagnosis of ADHD. When speaking to an educational psychologist who came to see him in school, she believes that it could be something called dyspraxia. That's
1: right. Someone
0: else has also said that potentially he could have ADHD or even autism. Now, it really doesn't make a difference to me but the problem you have is under the nhs as far as i'm aware you have to go for those diagnoses separately yeah which is long and awkward so the the reason this one comes back as 3000 pounds is because it's a neurodevelopmental neurodevelop- uh, assessment so it assesses for kind of basically. all neurodiversities yeah so it's a uh, you do have this, or you don't have this, but it's all of them. Yeah, it's really kind of branched as well. under one. Yeah, and to be fair, I think that makes the most sense for us. So it's something we're going to have to like save up. And but even so, even though it's private, the waiting list is still really long. So, well, maybe we need
1: to discuss who it is you're going to see then, and talk about that.
0: Okay. <laughs> As in maybe I can give you who I look like to,
1: <laughs> that kind of thing, you know.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sharing info. In um point,
1: you know, sharing and caring, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm, it Exactly. Crazy. I'm not gonna pretend but, it's not but um mm. and I also know that not everybody is in is able to do that. I was fortunate at the time to be able to do that. You know, it's not an everyday, every week, every year thing that I could say, okay, yeah, let me just pop along. But at the time as far as I was concerned, she was starting school. She needed that diagnosis. I wanted that EATP in yeah. before she started school. And that NHS list was too long. You know, I phoned up one day and they went to 200. I still couldn't find her name, but I said, no, 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 no. You need No matter what anybody thinks, I want her to have it. And as her mum, that was my choice you know I don't I'm not going to sit yeah. and down someone who can't afford to do it because like I said I was in a position at a time and if I wasn't in that position yeah. I would have had to sit and wait you know and yeah. just the way it is unfortunately it's something that I think the government has to look at the whole waiting time thing for parents it's ridiculous it's too ridiculous
0: well, I, th- I don't even think it's just for parents I think people because I know that there are adults waiting oh, cool. for assessments and I think it's like five, seven years in some areas. Right. Like, that's a long time. All
1: right. You think that's about a, a really child, long right? time. A child is just about to start primary school. they got to wait, what, six, seven years for arguments. sake.
0: They'll be in secondary
1: school by that time. All that time that they could have had a diagnosis and been able to get certain help and support put in place.
0: hmm
1: You know, they've lost out on it. Yeah. You know, the journey is not easy. It's not. Um hmm. and we don't pretend that it is. And as parents and carers out there know, sometimes you hit brick walls. Sometimes you hit some serious brick walls. And sometimes when you break through yeah. that wall, you hit another brick wall. And so forth. Yeah. There are times when you can just walk through and you're like, Yay You walk through a few walls without having to break them and then you hit a big one and it's like my bumbling block. You know? so that's why it's so important that we do share our information that we have and we have other parents who you know that's the nice thing we have other parents that share things with us that we put up on social media and stuff like that and organisations because it means that that way parents have got somewhere to look we may not have everything there but there's some things there and they maybe can lead you on to something else you know and that's why it's important sharing information is such a big thing because without it, we're lost. Whether you think it's
0: something small. So you you know. Yeah. So Joe was saying, um, I don't know if he mentioned it in the podcast, but definitely after we were talking, he he was frustrated that there isn't the transparency of information. Especially um like where to turn, what's like what's available. I know lots of um boroughs have like local offer local offers, but A lot of the time they're not fit for purpose like there isn't like he was saying when we get a diagnosis you've got like a a pack it was different for you but we got like a little pack with a couple of leaflets in it and that's it and then you go about your business there's no additional support there's no signposting there's no nothing that's it like they did speak about um, doing like a catch-up after three to six months but that never happened Um, So literally, this is the diagnosis, that's it, by and that's it, you you just have to find your way in the world. Like me and you were really lucky that we fell into like different networks of parents where we got our information, but not everyone has that. And I think it's really important that we kind of try and figure out how we can get as much information to as as many people as possible.
1: I think when you look at things that local offers and I know people mm. may feel that I'm wrong for saying this but I feel that like sometimes they're just thrown there for the sake of being thrown there do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. there's not real thought and attention mm-hmm. gone into what is put in place it's really that like, well we need to make sure yeah. it's there just so that we can say we've got it um, you yourself mm-hmm. know as well even some organizations there's organizations that we have communication with who are great very open willing to share things and then you have the other side where there's some who they don't really want to and it's all it's almost like it's almost like a competition it's almost like they feel like they yeah themselves and identified as themselves only. And if they merge any information with anyone else, it takes away from that. And that's the attitude we have to take out. Yeah. Because even for us. Yeah, there's got
0: to be more collaborative collaboration.
1: Look, for us as a company, as an organization, we think that it's so important that when we go and we talk to other people, that we explain to them that we want to share information with you and with other parents but then why should we have to emphasize that but we do because yeah. otherwise it's like people have their back up and think you're trying to you know over overdo what they're doing or take away and that's not the case yeah we want companies organizations to share so that that way we can have things in place that if somebody went on the national autistic site for argument they they would see a lot a list of all different places that they can contact for help and support if they want onto to am i alone website mm. they can see all different places that they can get help and support from who are aware of each other if they want on an autism website yeah. if they want on a neurodiverse website things that we may not be people that speak every week every month every year but we're aware of each other's company mm. enough to know that if we come across someone we can signpost them to
0: signpost not just more collaboration that's what's needed yeah
1: not just oh sorry we can't help you with this even though in the back of your head you know there's a company that you've spoken to before that does that does deal with this and you could easily just say to them look this is not our area but these people may be able to help you why is it so difficult yeah I I feel you I feel you and it's so sad we need support and help the whole point of this whole podcast about the journey was the thing about what was it like for you when you found out your child mm. had the issue they had what did you do who was your support mm. was the doctors was the pediatrician were these people helpful to you did they give you support that you felt that you needed did they show you, did they signpost you to places to give you the support was you left a hot bumbling box yeah. because nobody could be bothered to take five minutes to say we can only take you this far but if you try looking at these yeah. things they may take you the next step. As you yeah. said, we were fortunate. You know, we mm-hmm. Angelica's nursery said to me about doing the social communication course. That's where we met. From there we then yeah. found out about the support group that we attended. So we therefore had another stepping stone. Mm-hmm. How many other people have yeah. sat at home not being told about going to a social communication course, not being told about the support groups yeah. that they can not find? Some people go to support groups, and I'm not trying to down support groups, but some people go to support groups that are just not for them. And because they go there and they feel mm. that way, they don't try any others. Understandable. Mm. Yeah. But sometimes, you know what? Try another one. Try another one because yeah. you don't understand what you make there'll it be from. a fit out there for you yeah yeah you don't know it opens up so much things it opens up a wealth of information from other parents it opens up a whole community of having somebody to lean on sometimes having somebody to just talk who yeah. knows what it's like and it makes such a big difference to be...
0: mentally it does mental it really improves your mental health like like I said I wasn't aware that I was struggling at points but we went to our chill and chat and we've made like real friends like not just people we see on a week like real friends Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. that I know that if I was in trouble or really struggling I could call upon them yeah and they would be there like just a listening ear or what have you but they're 100% like they get it they understand and that would never have happened if we'd never have gone but what's the main so thing?
1: no judgment Mm. there's no judgment
0: yeah 100%
1: and that's a main thing a lot of parents it's all about the judgment it's all about what other people think when it comes to them and how they deal with their child you can't sit there and let another person mm. dictate how you deal with your child because it's not their child it's yours it's as simple as that and but it's very have, different yeah. yeah and when you have a circle of and I'm not even going to say the support group when you have a circle of friends who you are mm. all supporting each other and who as you rightly said when something's wrong yeah. you can either pick up the phone you can WhatsApp you can DM you can and and just offload because sometimes you really just want to just yeah. you just want to offload you just have one of them days and it's like you know what I need to talk to someone that gets this not someone who yeah, you've been my friend for 20 years, but you don't have a, a charge because you just aren't going to get it. And what a difference yeah. it makes. They might, look at how many it does people make a huge we've, seen and, we've seen sit and cry real tears, falling apart. Hmm. And the minute they've offloaded, yeah. they feel so much like I've been there. I've done the offloading and crying, mm. you know? And I've had people offload and cry on me. And I have to honestly say that When I see people going through that now, with the offloading and the crying, it puts me back to that that time, and emotionally, my heart is like. But oh my God, I'm so glad that I can be there to support
0: someone. 100%. Right, I know we're like getting into the throes of the conversation, but it is actually time to wrap (laughs) up. (laughs) It goes too quick. It goes too quick. (laughs) um I say we give it five so anyway minutes. just want to say five more minutes you five more to... minutes five more. no 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 <laughs> no. Under... no Ellen we've got to wrap it up so thank you for listening um we will <laughs> and we will be back again soon talking more about this and other people's journeys see ya bye